Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now it's moving. Yeah, you look for the red. That means we're recording. Coming. Okay, you see red, which means we're recording. Okay. So, welcome. Hey, Dave. Hey, Holly, what's going on? How are you? Oh, I'm good after that uh, horrible uh, misstep there. Uh, all right. I, we recorded a whole show without actually recording it. All right. Fortunately, it wasn't a whole show. No. But so, we, well, we got to fire the engineer. Who is that guy? Yes, we do. Damn it. He should get a, his pay should get docked. All right. Okay, so, hey, Dave. Hey, Holly, what's going on? Welcome to What Difference Does It Make? Oh, yes. Welcome. Welcome. Can I? Yes. Look at that. All right. We We're got recording. red. We're recording. So this is going to be a great show. I really like 1982. You gave me an assignment, which I love. Yes. Our favorites from the year that was? 1982. 1982. Favorite albums. Or as you said when you emailed me, LPs. Yes. Which is short for... Long playing. Yes. <laughs> what does EP stand for? Uh, extended play. Extended play. Yes. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. Actually, I mentioned EPs because some of my favorite EPs came out um, in 1982. So what are La- some of them? Later in my life, later in life, that I, from bands that I learned to love, um, it was uh, like the uh, the replacements. Stink came out. Yep. REM's Chronic Town, mm-hmm. which will uh, I'll talk your ear off about REM later, but not oh, in know. this episode. Um, Sonic Youth had an EP out, um, and uh, the Beastie Boys also, which I will talk your ear off on. Also, Sonic, yeah, all all these bands. So so those four bands, four significant uh, debuts from. Uh, was it well? The replacements had an album out already, but anyway, th- those were some EPs that I had not discovered in, in 1982. But I discovered later, and I think that's kind of the theme of 1982 albums that I learned to love later, but I did not uh, necessarily discover in 1982. It's interesting that you point that out because as I look at my list, I think that's probably the case also, especially with my my first pick, which I'm not going to go into yet. I realize. Uh, now it was released in 1982, but I don't think I fell madly in love with it until probably 1984. Interestingly, um, oh, oh, okay. More on that later. That's my teaser. All right, yeah. Because <laughs> so I divided my albums up into albums that I actually bought in 1982 and albums that I discovered after 1982 that I that I learned to love and are. are I listen to all the time. Now. Well, you know, a lot, and I have a deep, deep, deep appreciation for. It. I know I keep staring at the red lines too. Like, <laughs> well, I'm I'm impressed that you remember that you could divide your list up that way because I don't really remember. Remember, I can't tell you when I fell in love with these. I just know they were released in 1982, so I'm going with oh, that. Yeah, well, every collection when you know when you buy a record back then, it meant a lot because you were plucking down your own cash. Yeah. 
My so, babysitting money. Yeah, an you're making a huge investment. You know, I was bike riding up Victory Boulevard <laughs> and then then making uh, making a, a, a left and going to Licorice Pizza. Mm-hmm. And I was going and, you know, trying to, okay, let's see, these are albums on sale. Maybe I could buy this. And then I would go into Topanga mm-hmm. Plaza and I would check out, uh, go to where? The warehouse. Correct. And um, see what uh, what they had on sale there. Yeah. And then I would make a, you know, like, all right, what's what's the better deal? And then maybe I would go back across the street. And so it was, it was a big deal for me to kind of figure out what I wanted to get. It was because when you think about it now, it was a lot of money. I can't remember. Were albums seven ninety nine at the time? I remember they were on sale. I think for like the sale, uh, the sale was four ninety seven. I believe. Okay. I think that number is stuck in my head. Um, but if they weren't on sale, it was uh, it would be like uh, seven yeah. seven eight bucks, and that would be a huge that that would might be a breaking point for me. So when when you think about that, so 1982, we were in high school. I was working in retail, so I wasn't. It was past my babysitting years. I was working in retail, and I was making like less than four dollars an hour. I think minimum wage was three eighty five an hour at that I think time. It was three thirty five. Three thirty five, and then it went that. up to three eighty five. I remember because we got that whopping fifty cent raise. Oh, nice! I believe. Yeah. So going in, so, so that's like two hours of work just to buy a record. <laughs> well, they take out taxes too, so it was yeah. It's there's like that. three, three, yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah, you had to put in a lot. And then, yeah, just a lot of yeah. a, a, lot a lot of thought, thought. A lot of thought, a lot of anguish. Yeah. Um, As just, opposed to now when we could just walk in and buy, I'll take that, 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 because, you know, the albums you buy are a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. I thought you're like with streaming, everything is available. Like today is, oh, we, right. we record this on Friday. And what I do now is, you know, like, okay, what, what came out that's new? Oh, okay. This is great. the The new Robin album came out. <laughs> Click of the button. It's there. It's on my phone yeah. already, and that's what I'm, I'm going to listen to the new Robin album later today, which yeah. I'm very excited about. By the good. I that love. makes me happy. Oh, Robin! I wouldn't have thought. Oh, Robin's the best. Yeah. This is her first album in a long time. Yeah. Ah, she's she's a Swedish guy. She's Swedish. <laughs> she's Swedish. Yes. All right. Okay. So, do you want to <laughs> run down really quick? So, we're doing the top. We're doing. We're each do- of us have chosen our five favorite. LPs from 1982. Right. And we're going to divide this into two episodes because we do so much... Uh, Blathering. Blab, yes. What is the Yiddish word for... Uh, um, Not yammering. Kibitzing. Kibitz- kibitzing. Yes, we kibitz a we're lot. Kibitzers. We are kibitzers. <laughs> so, I, so I, again, I, we'll, uh, we'll do part one. It'll be um, three of mine, two of yours. And then part two will be two of mine, three of yours, and we'll uh, see what, what we come up with. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. So well, do you want to first just read a quick list of some of the top albums from 1982? And we can see if any of our picks match up to them. Oh, yeah. 1982 was a, a stellar year. for Actually, as I was looking through this list, it was, it's quite a it's kind of a wide variety Mishmash. of music. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not just necessarily pop music. Um, we're talking about pop music. Pop, pop, pop music. Uh, Talk about. Let's see. As I as I'm looking <laughs> through my papers, there it is. <laughs> I hear that you are. Oh, here we go. Okay, got through the papers here. Um, all right. So the '82 uh, started off with metal, uh, ACDC for those about to rock you. Do you have any metal on your list? I don't. No, I, I no, I do not. Me either. In the Halloween episode, we we had talked briefly about uh, Iron Maiden and how uh, that that might be on the list. 
but uh, it's good stuff, but it's not on my not list. Not on your list, uh, nor is it on mine. Run to the hills. Um, it's good stuff. Iron Man still rocking it. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, ACDC, <laughs> for those about to rock, we salute you. Um, then we went uh, pop rock. Like, you know, we go for although it was... It was it was a pop hit, uh, Foreigner Four, which we I, I guess we um, kind of realized Toto Four was Four a, is a theme in 1982. No, I, well, I think no, um, Toto Four came out. Was that like 84? Was it like the next 82. year? Was it 82? Yeah, it's on my honorable mentions. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it. Yeah, but that one probably extended into 83. Oh, yeah, because it, it had Africa and, and uh, Rosanna. I Won't Hold Back and Rosanna. Yeah. I Won't Hold Back. You don't remember that? I I'm don't. not singing it for you. All right, fine. Um, uh, all right, so then, um, yeah, more rock. rock Sorry, real- I Can't Hold Back. Okay. Does that sound more familiar to you? No. <laughs> I'm sure it's a... It's a Is it? I, I'm sure we can uh, mellow out on the coast and listen to a little Toto and... Is it played on the? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. A little. You recognize immediately. Little. It's more rockin' than than uh, Toto and Rosanna. More. Rockin'. I mean, sorry, than Rosanna and Africa. Okay. It's a little. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, what okay. more? Then we go uh, more more rock. Uh, freeze frame. Jay Giles band. Um, and then the Go Go's take over for uh, for six six glorious weeks, and as we discussed. That it's actually out, Vacation that was released in 1982, but probably didn't chart until 1983. I'm sure. Well, Beauty and the Beat was exploded. You, you're not going to release an album, another album, when Beauty and the Beat is is still. It was released still, in 1982. No, I understand. Vacation. But, Don't argue but, with me. No, I did no, my research. No, I understand that. But <laughs> but uh, you know, like record label is not going to. If you have a number one record, you're not going to release another record. Right. But they had one ready to go, and obviously, I guess uh, you know, April 10th, it fell off the charts. Or, you know, fell off number one. And so they were like, all right, you girls get got vacation. We need another one. Let's get another one up there. Um, so there you go. So uh, and, and then following up the Go-Go's, like pop rock, new wave type uh, record, uh, Chariots of Fire, Vangelis. <laughs> Vangelis? Vangelis? I'm going with Vangelis. Vangelis. Yeah. Uh, our, uh, yes, our, our favorite uh, Greek composer Greek. next to Yanni. Um, yeah, that was that was. This was a thing for four weeks. It was uh, it was number one. I'm sure it was the number one song too. Yeah, a Chariots of Fire thing. Did you ever see the movie? I saw it. Yeah, after the fact, I guess because I was told I had to. <laughs> yeah that that's how you love. That's how you learn to love something when someone says you have yes, to listen right. to this. I've learned I can't force you to to watch no. or listen to anything. That was back won't. when I was more. Um, 1982 must have been back when I was more. Um, uh, Open. People were able to. No, oh, I wasn't going to say that. People were able to force their opinions on me about something, and I would, you know, okay, I'll do that. All right. Well, it's nothing wrong to. All right, I'm op- going back opening to, up as, to as um as I will show. I, I mean, I was also open apparently for <laughs> at the age of uh, whatever age I was. Seventeen. I wasn't seventeen. I was sixteen. I was seventeen. So you were sixteen. Were you? Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Maybe I did get my license then. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So then. Um, then we go back to uh, to pop rock to rockin' Asia with the heat of the moment. Yeah, do you remember the members in Asia? It was like guys from Yes, yes. Steve Howe and Jeff Down. This yeah. was this was like a super group. Yeah, Asia, the super group, 
Heat of the Moment and uh, 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 what was the other one? <laughs> it was like with cowbells. Anyway, it was remember. huge. It was. They were both hits, though. They they did have two. It hits was so and... huge that it was a hit. It was a number a number one record for two weeks in May. Then it fell off because Paul McCartney took over oh. with Tug of War um, for three weeks. And then after three weeks, it's like you know what, Asia, boom, still still wow. has some heat. So for another seven weeks, Asia took over. So so far, nothing, uh, no no overlap with mine. How about you? Okay, uh, no, none none whatsoever. <laughs> Strangely enough, um, and so oh, and now actually, I, I guess I should mention that uh, Paul McCartney's that was tug of war was a hit was number one in uh, 1982. And then his uh, then he had another number one record. His next one came up this year with his latest album. Yes. Which is insane. Which is pretty good. Yeah. So anyway, he he was uh, hidden, never to be seen from from 1982 until 2018. Apparently, we never heard from Paul. No, nothing. I don't know what's going on with him. I hope he's, you know, he's fine during that time. But uh, yeah, he's returned. And uh, yeah, we welcome him. Yeah. Welcome, Paul. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. um, And then. this this huge album was uh, as business as usual by Men at Work. Yes, our fi- favorite Australians. Um, seven weeks at number one in nineteen eighty two, and probably into eighty three. I mean, this was just a massive yes. hit. Yes, craziness. Oh, I also forget. Oh, darn it! I my papers were messed up. I also missed uh, Mirage by Fleetwood Mac. All right, it was number one. I, did you like Mirage? Uh, was not my favorite era for a lot of the bands in the realm of in of Fleetwood Mac, um, who I love. But no, I was not a huge fan of. Yeah, that this album. was their. They went. You know, Tusk was a bizarre record. Yes, and it was never what it did really well. Yeah, but it was still. I I love that album. I still do. And then yeah. uh, um, I guess people got to Lindsay and were saying, you know what? Let's just let's make a Rumors too. Why don't we do that? You know how well Rumors did. Yes. Let's try and do that again. Replicate we indulged this. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this was a good, it's, it's still a good record. It's still yeah. very good. And they went on to make other weird, you know, like Tango in the Night. There's a yeah. there's some other good Fleetwood Mac records um, that were made later on. But uh, but yeah, Mirage was a kind of a safe record. Not, yeah. not, not my favorite. No. I, and I, I found that with some of my other uh, bands that I really liked, put out albums that year that, that I wasn't that impressed with myself that it, that weren't my favorites like Aria Speedwagon, uh, Good Trouble, Queen with Hot Space, although it did produce Under Pressure. So the, yeah, and Good Trouble was the one that followed up uh, High Infidelity, right? So yeah. that was kind of like there. Oh, kind of a letdown. Right. For yeah. me personally, sorry. I would imagine so, yeah. Yeah, and then Heart put out Private Audition. I don't even know that record. Uh, no, there was a single on it, but it didn't even sound familiar to me. It's called This Man Is Mine. And uh, Don Henley with I Can't which, Stand Still. Which will get me going. Also in 1982, I, I don't consider it a 1982 record, but uh, Thriller came out in 82. And yes, did. I did not like Thriller initially because, what was the name of that heart song? Uh, pri- uh, private Audition? The the single. Oh, <laughs> the man. this man is mine. Oh, okay. Oh, so the, the girl, girl is, is mine. mine. The that, girl is mine mm-hmm. was that duet between Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney which I hated and I would not buy Thriller for a long, long time because I did not like um, that song at all. It's like, if this is the album, I'm not interested. You know, people kept talking about Michael Jackson, you know, this so Thriller that's weird. Album. Did they release that first? That was the first single. Weird. It, it went to number one and I was like, I, I don't want any part of this until. Thriller. You know, uh, I mean, the, the song. Yeah. I mean, in, in 83, I, you know, 
my, the drum line got behind. I remember like a, like I was at a friend's house and he put on Thriller and started drumming to, uh, to beat it. He loved Thriller. It, actually, everyone in, in my drum line loved Thriller. So after, when I started listening to it, like, oh my God, this is, this is really this good. Chance. Yeah. So that was, they, yeah, they won me, you know, like yeah. everything. It was, it was my social media network. Yes, exactly. That told me that this was something to get interested in. And of course, then I become, became obsessed with it. Um, I didn't mention uh, the, the album that was number one for the longest period of time. Um, nine straight weeks as opposed to Asia which took took a break uh, nine straight weeks uh, American Fool was the record by John Cougar who was going by John Cougar at the time and just uh, an explosion Jack and Diane Jack and Diane fucking on a chili dog <laughs> I mean it's, I don't know what's going on there I mean I think I do yeah I think we do hey you found the What Difference Does It Make podcast we're going to take a break right now and we'll be right back Told you we'd be back. Here we go. All right. So now we've we've determined that no <laughs> that there's no crossover Correct. for either of us with the the top albums of 1982. So shall we? Would you like to start? All right. So Ain't all right. So I'm predictable. Gonna, so I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go over my my records that I bought first, and then I'll talk about uh, a few records that I. Um, that I discovered after 1982 that I love. But love that were released in 1982. Yes, that mean a lot to me. You're uh, very thorough. Well, <laughs> well, I was going down the list. Like, I don't know any of these. Right? I mean, they, they're not a lot. I mean, I, I knew them, but they didn't mean a lot to me. Like those songs that, you, the, like those lists that you just gave, went through, like they didn't mean anything to right. me. Right, so, but you have a lot here that do. There are there are a few that that mean a lot. All right, um, like this one. Well, um, Yeah, what do you think it is? <laughs> Oh, I already know. What do you think it is? Because you're 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 not that predictable, on the whole. Right. But this one has to be Bruce Springsteen. Well, it's true. <laughs> but I, and he is on my list, and it's it's weird to me that he is on my list, and that I bought this record because I was just a kid, fifteen, sixteen years old. These songs about uh, about Americans that are struggling through life, you know, they're they're not necessarily. They're not living high on the hog. How They're, does a 16-year-old relate to this how, who grew up in the San Fernando Valley? Yes, exactly. I, this was not something I should be listening to or that I can relate to that I would put on. I, and, um, and I think it, you know the, the table had already been set for me. I bought The River from 1980, and I love that record a lot. That was my first exposure to the Springsteen. I think, I'm pretty sure I bought Born to Run. I don't think I had bought Darkness yet. That was, you know... These are these were huge investments for me, but I bought Nebraska when it came out, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, just reading about it. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, my, we got the newspaper every day, and the calendar section uh, there was always uh, in the pop section was uh, you know Robert Hilburn who loves like adores worships Bruce worships Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> so that was my entry. Like, okay, well he's writing about this. I mean, he Robert Hilburn was a was an entry into a lot of new music that's you know i discovered the pretenders through him and just anything new that he was excited about i was like all right i'll give this a you know interest you know like i think rem was was one of those bands sure um 
but yeah, because uh, you know it wasn't necessarily played on the radio immediately. Uh, Nebraska certainly was not played <laughs> on the radio, but I don't know. I decided like, okay, I'm going to make this investment because I've I've read a little bit about it. Um, you know, I, I've read some interviews with Bruce. I, I've read Hilburn's uh, review, and so you know, I, I I bought it and I listened to it, and I I did. I I, I was fully invested. And I I I guess I listened to them as stories. Maybe mm. you know, it was story. It was it's folk music. It's You're folk. Very it's country. Deep. That's not at all, but but it was just, um, and maybe it was because you know, like there's Johnny ninety nine about a guy who goes on a killing spree and, and um, you know, and ends up killing. It was like, all right, fine, I did what I did. Now you kill me, like, and yeah. you know, it was like maybe I it was like comic book heroes or or just desperation that or it was gloom and doom type stuff, and maybe that was you know, this was my Morrissey record or something. I don't know. <laughs> It's an interesting observation because they're not the stories like that are not relatable in any way to teenagers. I remember that yeah. I, I, my parents are the ones that turned me on to Bruce Springsteen because that's what they were listening to in 1982. I remember they had Nebraska yeah. probably a cassette. My parents and, didn't know yeah. who Bruce Springsteen was. Yeah, but but they appreciated the stories. I mean, they really they could relate to the stories did more they, than you could. So <laughs> did they have Nebraska? Did they play that on on the hi-fi? On the, on the cassette player in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what compelled me to buy it. Yeah. You know, he initially, Bruce had, uh, had brought it to the E Street Band. It's like, okay, here, here's where we're going. And they tried to <laughs> create some music around this depressing music. And it's like, this is not going to work. Well, they did and, well with it. And so, and so Bruce was like, all right, fine. I, you know, these demos, maybe I'm just going to release this as a demo. This demo is a fully produced album and that's how he released it. And, and I still have it to this day. Like, all right. Yeah. And yeah. you know, he still, he still plays these albums. He plays the, the songs with the E street yeah. band. Um, you know, so it's kind of, uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's toyed around with them a little bit and, you know, it's kind of cool to hear his, his different arrangements or, you know, what the E street band brings to it now. So, um, yeah, the songs are still, they're memorable and I still know the words to these songs. That's, which is weird. That's, me, <laughs> as, it's a as, very good choice, and and you're much deeper than uh, no, not well, you, for <laughs> sure. You're deeper than me. Once you hear what I what I went with. <laughs> okay. All, right. All right, so go ahead. What what have you got? <laughs> I'm not doing mine in any order, and certainly I didn't break them down into uh, you know ones I bought in '82 and ones I bought later that had an impact on me that were released in '82. But I am going first with ABC Lexicon of Love. Okay, and I cannot tell. I mean, it's. Well, it's deep and meaningful to me. I was so it was released in '82, but I think I didn't really enjoy it to its fullest probably until 1984-ish. It reminds me of a um, <laughs> personally. I was working in retail at the time. I was working in a store called Camp Beverly Hills, and we listened to it endlessly mm-hmm. when I was in there. And it just reminded me. It just it was, they were such good memories to me. Um, there were four hits. Hits maybe they were considered alternative, but they weren't your classic pop hits. But um, they were all top twenty in the UK at least. And was, it, was this something that um, someone from work brought the cassette to play in the store? That, it, that, that must have that been it, and I can't tell you who it was. We were all—I mean, we were all into music, and we all tried to choose, you know, what was going in next. Of course. Um, but this was kind of an endless loop, um, and it was just—you know—it's all about love. I mean, every, every song on it. Uh, love, heartache, 
trying and failing to have a meaningful relationship. Um, it is the lexicon of love, isn't it? It's is. so my my personal fit. Do you do you like this album? I I know the singles, um, and I think I, I actually bought it like later in. Like I found it for twenty five cents. That's oh well, everybody vinyl. should have it. And I picked it up, and yeah, it, it's it's a it's good. And as um, um as we touched on a, a few episodes back, I got to see ABC earlier mm-hmm. this year, and they're still great. I mean, yes. he's still he's kind of like a, a Brian Ferry type singer, uh, Martin yes. Fry. Martin Fry. Why? Yeah. So yeah, this album has definitely has legs, and those songs still hold up very well. You know who produced it? You're going to take a guess because I'm not going to test you on this every time. I, I don't remember. So every time I ask you if you know who produced this album, it's usually the same person. Is so. it Thomas Dolby? No. <laughs> One more guess. Uh, Trevor Horn. Trevor Horn. <laughs> okay. I don't know why. Not... Okay. So I, I'm going to read you a quote uh, from Martin Fry about the song. I think it was the first single, Look of Love. I can't remember if it was released first. I think so. Maybe Poison Arrow. I can't remember. Oh, no, Tears Are Not Enough was first. What he says about what Martin Fry himself says about Look of Love. He says, it's not a chirpy love song, but about how to deal with it when love goes away. The song is genuinely about the moment you get your teeth kicked in by somebody you love fucking off. You feel like shit, but you have to search for some sort of meaning in your life. Lovely. Yeah, so... um, this yeah. is interesting. He that's, he, that's how you you, you make good music. <laughs> you get love hurt. getting kicked in the teeth. Yeah, you get exactly. Yeah, use that. Okay, uh, the last thing I'm right. going to tell you about this album. Please do. Please. <laughs> personal. My favorite song on this album is "All of My Heart." Oh yes. And I cry at the first note of that song to this day. And that's what I'm going to leave you what with. What is the first note? Well, I can't sing the note, but the first the first line is "Once upon a time when we were friends." Oh. I gave you my heart, and the story ends. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. No happy, no happy ever after, and now we're friends. Okay. Anyway. Oh, you're so, tearing up already. Look yeah. at you. <laughs> okay, so next, you, you give me one. All right, so this is one that I think you might have also. I doubt it. Really? All right. It's uh, Prince's 1999. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So we can both talk about this. It's yeah. uh Yeah. Yeah. This was I think this was the first Prince album I bought. And I still have it to this day. Yes. <laughs> it's a double album. Maybe <laughs> how many songs were on it? Like nine? There weren't that many songs on it, but you know, like extended jams yeah. and I just I just loved it. And I, I basically it was for those first two songs, nineteen ninety nine and then followed by Little Red Corvette. They're actually ten. Ten songs, double yeah. album, ten songs. Yeah, I mean, I I think one some uh, some sides only had two songs on them, which was great. And it was just great. Yeah, I'll um, tell you actually. Yeah, most sides had well the first two sides had little uh, and delirious. That was the oh ninety nine little red Corvette and delirious. Yeah, three boom, that's it. Yep, you make that your your career is set for life. Yeah, seriously, you don't even have to listen to the rest you don't of the record. To, yeah, I mean th- that would be my favorite album right there. Yeah, well it probably was. Well, it was among mine for sure. Yeah, and, and he had those uh, the, the performance videos to the to accompany 1999 and Little Red Corvette were tremendous. Yes, <laughs> I mean I still the the quick dance he does during the instrumental break of Little Red Corvette. He is. It's the greatest. I he does. It's like 15 seconds long, mm. and I just I live for that. Just watching that, that was just insane. He was, oh God, 
Yeah. I know. I can't say enough. Super I, talented. So I, I, I will admit now in 2018 that when Little Red Corvette was, was uh, released, I didn't get at first, you know, what it was about. Neither did I. Okay. Okay. So good. I, so I wasn't I, I had abnormal. No clue. I had no clue. Okay. Well, now it's, so it's. Trojans um, and some of them used. I had no idea what that meant. Yes. It, it's funny because they, what well, that's, I guess we weren't, maybe weren't supposed to because it wasn't so uh, blatant, like Dirty Mind and I guess, you know, the song Soft and Wet, Head. But they, they, so that line is she had a pocket full of horses, Trojans, some of them used. And the jockey, I, this was, the, I think, the first thing that I might have learned about it when I learned about that. That's what the song was about. The jockeys represent men who have previously slept with the girl. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Did you know that Stevie Nicks got the idea for Stand Back from this song? Little Red Corvette? Really? Yeah. For which song? Little Red Corvette. For, no, I mean, what song? For, for Stand, Stand Back. Back. Stand Back. So she heard it in her car. She. The story is she heard it in her car. She went directly to the studio and laid down some tracks. And um, she said Prince came in and added the keyboard bit. And she said he came up with the riff as soon as he started playing it. Super genius. Yeah, super genius. It was fun for me. Just learning, I kind of learned about sex through this. Just, <laughs> I just, just him, like in, at the last song, the International Lover, mm-hmm. where he does like it's it's innuendo. Even I got the innuendo for this. <laughs> I mean, it was you know it was obviously what's going on. I'm like, okay, all right, this is here's something. This is how uh-huh. this is how you woo a, lo- a girl. Woo a lover, woo a which lover. we were not doing at sixteen years old. Not even close. <laughs> oh my god, it's just yeah. horrible. Um, so you're right, but then you're nineteen nineteen ninety nine, which is another one of those. I mean, I have the album here, you do. But, but it's it's funny because you I I noticed like the um, yeah the album, you know you look at it like okay there you know you notice this you know this rude boy that's from controversy. The one in 1999 kind of looks a little phallic. To oh, me. it's a penis for yeah, sure. Yeah, clearly, right? Did you ever notice, like in the uh, in the eye and, and Prince, what <laughs> it says? Do you see what it says? The end. Can you read that? Hang on. I know. Revolution. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so no, was, I never noticed that before. So Prince, yes, Prince and the Revolution. He he really hid <sighs> that. Wow. Very uh, yeah. Interesting. But the you know revolution. You know you look. Look at the the pictures, and you know that's the revolution right there. Wendy and there Lisa no, both in the revolution, right? Or just, yes. Was it, it well, just this, Wendy? It was just in this one. It's just Lisa. Lisa, no. sorry. Yes. Um. So do you know when I you mean, when you <laughs> yeah. I love these. When you heard 1999 for the first time, look the at, song. Looking at the photos of Prince, <laughs> like half naked. <laughs> we'll post them. Oh my god, the best. Um. Okay. So when you first heard the song 1999, the song, not yes. not the whole album. Did you know? Uh, did you know what the song was about? I mean, we're, all we know from it is we're going to party like it's 1999. Uh, yeah, the world is ending, and um, so let's party. Yeah. I did not think about it in terms of the world ending. Yeah, that was a theme in a lot of his music. Like, yeah. you know. Like, maybe I just refused to, yeah. to like, hear let's, that. Let's get crazy. Yeah. Let's go crazy. Let's Say. go crazy. <laughs> you don't think of that as that. I, I don't. Everybody's got a yeah. bomb. We could all die any day. Yeah. So just dance the night away. Yeah. Yes. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, good choice. Yeah. You're right. So we yeah. do. We share I don't know that how one. well do you have how well this record did. I mean, I, I were these top ten hits like uh, the singles or the album? Did it make? Did it? it peaked I, I at forty one. And yeah, on Billboard, the album. The album peaked at forty one. No, my mistake. Not that the song nineteen ninety nine peaked at forty one on the Hot one hundred that year. But Little Red Corvette. 
went oh. to number six on the Hot 100. Okay. Yeah, I think I don't that know was about a the bigger album. hit. I don't, yeah, I look up these that. songs, A-U-T-O-Matic. Yes. Yeah. yeah, this was him experimenting a little bit. Yeah. Um, and just kind of stretching it out. This was uh, this was a follow-up to Controversy. Yep. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it, it was just a big, he was, I mean, it set the table for, for his next album. But uh, I, I still love this. I could still listen to this all the way through yeah, and love it. That's probably why we both have it on our list. I, yes, for good reason. Yeah. All right. Okay, so wait. That was considered one of yours? <laughs> that's, that's fine. It's both of ours. So how many, how many have we discussed? We've got three. Mm-hmm. All right. Get, uh, you give me one, and I'll give, and then I'll do one. You want another one? Okay. Give me. Yeah. All right. I I'm going. To, yeah. See, I feel very. I do feel very predictable, but I can't help it. This is. I'm. I'm true to my 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 roots. Uh, my next pick is uh, Yaz or Yazoo, depending where you're from. Upstairs at Eric's. Love it. Yes. Okay. Good. I love this album I can, and again I can't tell you you know you're you were going deep with Springsteen and then you got a little more for for uh, Prince but this just I don't want to say it's got a good beat and you can dance to it but every every song on this uh, well only you I think that might have been mm-hmm. what drew me in to begin with um, it had don't go it had um, did you call them Yaz or Yazoo I think we called them Yaz we called them Yaz they're they're Yazoo in the UK because yeah. there was another um Band here called Yazoo, which is bizarre. Mm. <laughs> There's another band called Yazoo. Yeah, I know. How random. Um, so Allison Moyer, right? Alice, it was Allison Moyer and Vince Clark, and um, Erasure. Yes, and Depeche Mode. Okay, which <laughs> oh. I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you a story about that. This is kind of funny. But um, first, which I did not know. Situate. This was done by the record company, I guess. You know the song "Situation." Yes. Uh, it was originally the B-side of Only You, mm-hmm. but they released it as the band's debut single in the U.S. and Canada. You think that was a good choice? I still know that song today, so yeah. I'm sure. So it was I obviously guess. a good choice. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. It's funny. So, okay, so. Um, gr- a great vocal from Allison Loyer. I know. She has the most soulful voice. She yeah. is. She still plays around. <gasps> still plays in town. Yeah. Somehow I keep missing her, but I know. So, okay, after Only You. Uh, Vince Clark and Alison Way, they wanted to keep their, their momentum going. So Vince Clark, the only experience he had had in a recording studio. Besi- no. <laughs> Come on, Holly, tell the story. Keep going. So in, in he was, they recorded Depeche Mode's Speak and Spell, which was their first album, at uh, Blackwing Studios. It was in uh, southeast London. And that was his only, his first experience in a recording studio. So I guess he thought you could just show up. So then he's with Alison Moyer with uh, Yaz or Yazoo because they were in London. He thought, okay, so I guess we can just show up. He he said, I assumed that Blackwing was the only studio I could record at because that's where he recorded with Depeche Mode. So they showed up. <laughs> they just showed up there. And um, however, when they arrived, their, uh, their studio was booked and the producer that he assumed he was going to work with because that's who he'd work with with Depeche Mode. They were booked, so they uh, recorded this album in early, during early morning, starting at like five or six a.m. and working to uh, uh, till eleven. Kind of cool that they let him in and let him do this without without an appointment. Um, <laughs> but they just kind of did it whenever time was available in the studio. I, don't know, I just thought it was you, a fun. You funny, do what you got to do. Yeah, but I just you I, strike when inspiration hits you, like Stevie Nicks. You know exactly. Yes, this album is so just indicative of the time, I guess, and. 
Was this played oh, at I Camp Beverly Hills? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, it was. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah. So Vince, I guess it's funny. While we talk about Alison Moyes' voice, it really, Vince Clark, he's uh, all my my uh, favorite bands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes, Erasure, Depeche Mode, Yazoo. This is funny. He he told he re- in a recent interview he told uh, that he gave only you was influenced by Sound of Silence, the Simon and Garfunkel song. Yeah. Yep. All right. Anyway, that's I don't know. Well, I'm going to have to review that. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So wh- why don't we uh, wrap this up right here? Oh, good call. So so okay. Can we do <laughs> yes? Can we do our our uh, 1980s rock and roll quiz deck? Yes. I think it's your turn, right. so I'm going to let you pick a card. All right. So this is uh, – we're going to do this at the end of every episode, even if we divide this into parts, because <laughs> this is part one. We'll be coming back in a week with part two, and I'm picking a card. And I'm going to read you the question. Oh, okay. Here's and you are going to give me the answer. Oh, okay. It looks involved. Oh, okay. These are – this is about one-hit wonders. Match each artist or group below with its one and only major U.S. hit. All right. So I'm going to read you. I'll read you the band, and then I'll read you the four choices of songs. All right. That'll be the easiest. Well, why don't you why don't you give me the song, and I'll say the artist. Oh, okay. You want to mix it? See up if a I bit. could do that. Oh, of course you can. Well, uh, or the opposite way, whichever way you can mix it You're up. Right. No, I'm going to give you the song, "Funky Town." Funky Town was uh, Lips Inc. Very good. All right. The future's so bright. I got to wear shades. That was Timbuk Three from Austin, <laughs> Texas. Very good. Ninety nine lift balloons. Uh, Nana. From Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, waiting for a star to fall. All right, you got me. Waiting for a star to fall. Yeah, see, had we not done it this way, I could have given you your choices because no, it's multiple fine. choice. I, it doesn't even ring a bell. I wouldn't have known this one either. It's Boy Meets Girl. This okay. was a husband and wife team of Pat and yeah. Barbara McDonald. Oh, no, sorry. That was Timbuk3. That was my mistake. Okay. Never mind. Delete this. Okay, it was just, okay, Boy Meets okay, Girl. It was Boy Meets Girl. Yes. And we don't Ju- know anything further about that band. Well, I can tell you, George Merrill met Shannon Rubicam at a Seattle wedding and Boy Meets Girl was born. Waiting for a Star to Fall was number five in 1988. Was the duo's biggest splashes performers, but they also wrote, ah, here's your fun fact. They also wrote the Grammy winning I Want to Dance with Somebody for Whitney Houston. There you go. There, you go. there we right. go. All right. All right. So that was, that was part one of... Of the of our favorite LPs from 1982. Correct. Yeah. Good episode. Fun, fun times. Fun, 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 fun. This has been What Difference Does It Make? I'm Holly. And I'm Dave. Thanks for listening. Over and out. Check you later. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 